today is the kindness of God. The kindness of God. And go ahead and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 4. 2 Samuel chapter 4. And we're going to look today at the story of Mephibosheth. And I've talked about him a, a while back, but it's been a while. And the Lord just had this on me. Mephibosheth. Like, I, I need to think before I say it, just to make sure that I say it right, you know. But has anybody ever heard of him before? Yeah. Do you remember, maybe I've heard his name before. He is an awesome story in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 4. So Mephibosheth is, uh, I remember the first time I heard him, the preacher said his name and I went, say what? <laughs> I said, huh, what, what did he just say? I'm not, did I, did I hear you right? Like, I mean, there's a bunch of names in the Bible. I'll just, you know, be like the D guy and the L guy and the, you know, I'll just, you know, I'm not even going to try to pronounce where they're from and what those names are. But uh, he said his name, but his name stuck out to me from that day forward. And Mephibosheth, uh, was the grandson of Saul, of King Saul. And uh, so let me just read this to you because it's interesting in these times how things happened. In verse 4 it says, Now Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the report of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened that in her hurry to flee, he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. Now, I want you to keep looking at this verse because I want to kind of set the story. There's a lot that's going on in this one verse, and this one verse kind of you know, summarizes everything. But basically what was going on was Saul was anointed king. And he had the blessing of the Lord and the anointing of the Lord. But then he started turning off of God's plan and off of God's path. And along that, along that time, around that time, David was then anointed the future king. And so King David was rising up. But he was still a young guy. He was getting ready to go uh, and face uh, Goliath before too long. But then as David started growing and that blessing of God started producing in his life, uh, Saul became jealous of, of David. And I would say that he was afraid of David. And so then he knew that David was going to be king at some point. He was anointed to be that. I'm not sure if Saul knew that or not, but it seemed obvious that David was the successor to the kingdom, right? To be king. And so Saul's not walking with the Lord. He starts to get jealous, right? So one of the things that happened is Saul's son, Jonathan, and David, like they become best friends. I mean, they are tight. They are tighter than, I would say, the way that the Bible describes it, it's probably tighter than most best friends are today. It's even stronger. They are covenant brothers, all right? And that meant something. Covenant brothers meant something more than it does in America today. They are tight, right? And so uh, time goes on. Saul is then trying to kill David. Right, He's trying to take them out. He's hunting them down. David keeps escaping because the hand of the Lord is on him. Even David, at several times, David is given a chance that he could kill Saul, take him out. Well, most people, what would they do? He's out. They would have killed him. 
David sits there. He even repents. One time what he did was he cut off a piece of Saul's garment while he was sleeping to prove that he was there and to show him, look, I mean you no harm. And, and he even repented for embarrassing Saul. That was the heart that David had. That's an amazing thing. That's an, that's an amazing thing. J.D., I'm getting some feedback on something. Anyway, so here it is. Now, Saul just continues. And, you know, Saul repents for a little bit, and all of a sudden, you know, it seems like everything's going well, but then Saul's right back on trying to kill David, trying to kill David. Well, Saul just keeps going further and further off path with God. David continues to just rise and rise. And then in Jezreel, Saul and Jonathan are in a battle, and the kingdom is somewhat collapsing around them, and Saul and Jonathan, King Saul and his son Jonathan, David's best friend, covenant brother, they get killed. So when news came that Saul was killed, now you've got the son or the grandson of King Saul. In other words, King Saul was presenting himself as an enemy to David. David's about to become king. And in that time, what happens when new people take uh, rulership? A lot of times a king would come in and they would ban exile or a lot of them would just wipe out the whole family of the last king. They would kill them. They would get rid of them because they didn't want anybody coming up and saying, feeling like they have a right to the throne. And so they would just, they just wipe them out. Well, here it is. His uh, nurse gets afraid and she flees. And in her haste, that Fear, she, fear will do amazing things in a wrong way. In her fear and in that haste, they fall and Mephibosheth, he is crippled and he's lame. And so I'll just say, you know, as far as fear goes, fear opens up the door to things that you don't want. There is no fear in God. Perfect love cast out all fear and God is love. A lot of times people will say, well, well, fear is just normal. I've, I've heard it said a bunch of times. Well, it's just normal for a mother to fear and worry over her children. No, that's normal to the world. That's not normal to God because there is no fear in God. That's not normal. You see? And so we got to understand that fear opens up the door for bad things to happen. Even with Job, we look at Job and it says, he says, the thing I feared the most has come upon me. Don't let fear eat your life up. Don't, don't let fear run you around and cripple you, right? Even in the garden, you know what Adam and Eve were fearing? They were fearing lack. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve truly had everything they would ever need or want or desire. The devil comes in, presents lack, and out of their fear, he's like, well, don't you want to be like God? He's just trying to keep you out. All of a sudden, they fear that they're lacking something that they deserve. And out of their fear, they, they start eating from the tree and sinning. Fear will drive you to places. Let fear go. Learn to recognize the emotion of fear because it will put you in places that you don't want to be in. Amen? Amen. So here it is that fear has caused this nurse to run. Now we already know the heart of David. Would David had come in and just wiped out Mephibosheth? No. 
No, we know that, but fear made something a reality in that person, made a false thing a reality in that person's mind, drove them to the place where people were hurt, and you know he lived with that for the rest of his life, right? Well, here's the thing. So they're running, and Mephibosheth is now crippled. As far as I know, Mephibosheth never gets healed of being crippled. As far as I know, he's crippled for the rest of his life. Right? So now let's, let's skip ahead a few chapters into, verse, into chapter 9, and let's start reading there. And David said in verse 1, is there, any, is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Is there anyone left in the house of Saul? Anyone. Why? Because I want to wipe them out? No, because I want to show them the kindness of God. Now, I love the fact that David included the kindness, not just my kindness, but the kindness of God in that. I want to show him the heart of God. See, most people in the world, what's real to the world was wipe out the whole family. What's real to God is, how can I show you kindness? Amen. This is the heart of God. How can I show you kindness? Now, you have, you have four different people in this one verse. You, you've got David, you have Saul, and Jonathan, and Mephibosheth. Now, what I want you to see is this, is that these are all represent, representative of us today. These are all a picture of us. You and I, we're Mephibosheth, all right, in the story. God is David, right? Jesus is Jonathan, our covenant brother, you see? And then you also have Saul. He's, he's kind of the world. He's kind of the world. And he says, look, is there anyone left? Then David said, let's put those people in. Then God said, is there anyone left in the world that I may show them kindness for Jesus' sake? Amen. See, he's looking for somebody to show his kindness on. Now, I want to show you something. And watch. He says, Here's the thing about Mephibosheth. He's crippled. He's crippled for the rest of his life. He's never healed of it. Here's how that's us. Because right now, if you're ever born again, what happens is your spirit man is renewed. Your, your mind needs to be renewed. We are to renew our mind. But your flesh nature, the corrupted flesh nature, its father, the word tells us that the corrupted flesh nature, the father of that is the devil. And here's the thing, as long as you're on this earth, that flesh nature is never renewed. It is always a crippling thing in your life here on this earth if you give yourself to it. It is always there with you. And if you let it, it will cripple you and keep you out of everywhere that God has, wants you to go. It, it's with us. We won't have a glorified body until the resurrection happens. And then in an instant, we will be transformed from a crippled nature into a glorified body. And all of a sudden, that, that bent to sin, that bend to sin will no longer be with us because we will have dropped this corrupted flesh nature. So see, Mephibosheth, he always was crippled. 
You know, if David wanted to kill him, could he have run from him? No. He was in trouble. As long as David didn't know about him, that was his only defense. But now, David's looking for somebody. David's looking for somebody to find of, of Saul's house. And then, watch this. He says, verse 2, Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. You're not going to like Ziba in a minute. And they called to him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. Now Ziba was a servant of the house of Saul. Now the first thing he does is he starts covering his butt. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, hey, he says, I'm your servant. And then he was to serve the house of Saul. And yet the next question that he doesn't know where David's coming from. And the next question he says is, the king said, Is there not anyone, yet anyone in the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. Now, I don't know about you, but we know that David's telling the truth. But most people don't know that David's telling the truth. They could just be saying, telling, you know, the king could be telling them a lie to try and bring out anybody that might feel like they deserve the, the uh, throne. And so here's the thing that's happening. Ziba goes, uh, yeah, look at here. He goes, the king says they're not. And he goes, there's the son of Jonathan. He just opened right up, just folded like a clam. I mean, just, just let it all go. There's a son of Jonathan trying to save his own skin, you know, save himself. He just opens right up. All of a sudden here, you have, uh, you have David going, really? There's a son. And Ziba just opens up, tells him what, what's going on. And then right here you go, the king said... Is there not yet anyone? So the king said to him, where is he? In verse 4, And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. In Lodabar. And the king David sent and brought him from the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth? And he said, here is your servant. So Mephibosheth, he walks right in. And the first thing he does is he falls on his face. He falls on his face and he says, I'm your servant. What's he doing? He doesn't know what David's about to do. He's thinking David is about to just kill me. He's about to, at the very least, I can just throw myself on his mercy. Maybe he'll spare me. Maybe he'll spare me. You see, a lot of times, have you ever felt like this with God? Have you ever felt like this where you're just kind of praying to the Lord and you're thinking, I don't even know why he talks to me. I don't even know why. Like you, you're, you become um, cognizant that you're not all that. You become cognizant that you have sin. You, it becomes very real to you that you're not as holy as you think you are sometimes on Sunday morning. Sometimes that's the way we feel. And we're like, I'll tell you this, I don't know about you, but I've had times where I've gone to God and I'm like, I'm even scared to even talk to him. You know, I've had those times. This is the way Mephibosheth is right now. And what I want to tell you is in the kindness of God. 
in the kindness of God. Many times we're sitting there and we don't even know why the Lord is giving us even uh, an ear at all. We don't know why that is. And yet God is sitting there the whole time with no bad plans. No bad plans. All he's trying to do is get kindness to us. And we have to get to the place where we stop allowing the sin to cripple us. The condemnation of sin comes in. And all it does is say, you can't get away. He's a big bad God. You can't get away from the king. He's just wanting to kill you. All he wants to do is do this. And all we do is instead of walking in and presenting ourselves as real and as, and as humble, we just, we just were scared to death of God. You know, the beginning of, of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But you need to understand what that's talking about. It's talking about reverencing God. It's talking about an extreme reverence of God. Have you noticed throughout the word, throughout the word, throughout the word, how many times God says, do not fear? Fear not. Jesus said it uh, to Jairus, fear not, only believe. They just told Jairus that his daughter was dead. Don't bother the master anymore. And what is Jesus' response? Don't fear, only believe. Well, see, to the logical, real world mind, that doesn't even make sense. That does not even make sense. You just told me my daughter's dead, fear not. What are you talking about? But see, we're not talking about the world's real. We're talking about God's real. We're talking about His real. We're talking about, we're talking about the love and the kindness of God. And so here, right here, here comes, here comes Mephibosheth. He falls on his face. He says, I'm your servant. He's scared. And David said to him, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Now, who's he? Remember at the beginning, he said, I'm bringing about the kindness of God that I may show him the kindness of God. He's continuing in a nature of God. God says these kind of things. Don't fear. Don't fear. Only believe. Don't fear. Then we look you know, at Jesus where he says, do not fear, only believe. We look in Exodus 20, 20, where Moses, they're in front of the mountain and all the people are backing up from the mountain. You know, they're, they're scared because on the mountain is thunder and lightning and the power of God and it's shaking the earth. And here they are, you know, the, the children of Israel, Moses is like, come on. They're like, mm -mm, beep, beep, beep. And they're backing up, right? And all of a sudden he's like, no. And in 2020, Exodus 20, 20, says this, look, this is here, and I'll paraphrase it, this is here so that you won't forget he is God. Reverence him. But he's saying in the context, but he wants you to come and fellowship with him. He wants you to come. In other words, Moses is saying, don't fear. Don't fear. Then Jesus was saying, don't fear. God's saying, don't fear. And right here, David is telling Mephibosheth, don't fear. Only believe in what? The kindness of God. Stop looking at your sin and your shortcomings. Stop looking at the crippling effect that the world has had on your life. And start looking at the kindness of God. David said, don't fear I will surely 
For I will surely show you kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul. And you shall eat at my table regularly. Look at this verse again. Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan. Again, the, the father is saying this. Don't fear me. I will surely show you kindness. If David can surely show Mephibosheth kindness, then God surely is going to show you kindness. He's surely going to pour it out on you, even though you've had a crippling nature in your life. And you know what? That sin nature, it has stolen stuff from us. There are so many things that we have come up short. But what you see is you see, he says, look, this, even though you're crippled, even though you're not king, I'm going to give you everything like you were king. Like, like Saul completed his rule properly. Then Jonathan completed his rule properly. I'm going to give you everything, the whole thing, the whole kingdom that Saul had. It's now yours. In other words, God is saying this. Look, I don't care where you came from. It's not that you need, you do need to make changes in your life. But understand, my first part to you is to bring you the love and the kindness of God. That's, I'm going to bring you love, I'm going to bring you kindness, I'm going to bring you mercy, and even though you've had this crippling nature, I'm going to deal with that too. And I'm going to make it like that never happened. I'm going to make it like there was never a bump in the road of your life, like there was never a sin nature. I'm, he uses this kind of terminology all throughout the Bible. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to restore what the canker worm has stolen. I'm going to bring restoration. So even though sin has crippled your life and the productivity of your life, and instead of being here up top, it's been low and down here, he said, I'm going to restore it like it never happened. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Well, this is awesome. This is awesome, the kindness of God. He said, so now, I just want you to close your eyes right now. I just want you to think about how sin has been a crippling factor in your personal life before. And I just want you to think about the kindness of God and the kindness that He wants to show you. No matter what has happened. No matter what's been going on, no matter how sin has crippled your life, the way out to be restored is to allow the kindness of God to flow through you. And then we receive love and we're able to love him in return. And then we can put on the same nature of God, put on that kindness to give to the world. But that's not where he leaves us. He says this, I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. You shall eat at my table regularly. In other words, I'm not only going to restore to you everything that you've lost, but I'm going to set you at the king's table and feed you like you are the king. This is the kindness of God. 
And he wants to pour it out on each and every person. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, I'm going to pour it out. I'm going to pour out the king's blessing in your life. He goes on and again he prostrated himself and he said, What, what is your servant that you should regard a dead dog? Like me. Then the king called Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, All that belong to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. He's, he's letting it know. You notice that, that Mephibosheth still, he walks in and he tries to bring that old condemnation back and he says, Who am I that you should treat a dead dog like me like this? Who am I? David doesn't even respond to that. He's like, Don't you get it? You're not a dead dog anymore. I've redeemed you. I've restored you. You're not a dead dog anymore. You are somebody. Matter of fact, servant, come here. Listen, here's what I want you to do. You and your sons, Ziba, you and your sons and servants shall cultivate the land for him, for Mephibosheth. You shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson shall eat at my table regularly. So now he says, look, Mephibosheth, I'm going to give you everything you've lost. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to set you, sit you at the king's table. And I'm going to even have, I'm, I'm basically bringing about in your life people that will bring in the increase into your life. I'm bringing in that increase. I'm bringing it in. I'm going to supply for you the people and the things, the produce that you need in your life. You need productivity in your life. Your answer is found in the kindness of God. You need a blessing in your life. You need stuff to work and you don't have the means to do it. The, the answer is found in the blessing of God. The productivity and the supply, it's found in his kindness. And then it goes on to say in verse 13, So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, and he ate at the king's table regularly. Now he was lame in both feet. You know, when I was reading that story, I, I read that, and I went, Man, I don't like that he's lame in both feet. I was like, Lord, I don't like that part of the story. I don't like that he didn't get healed, because we know about the healing and the restoration of God. And I, I thought, I don't like that. And then the Lord showed me what that was. He said, That's the flesh nature of the sin. The sin in our lives. And all of a sudden I went, oh man. Because so many times we've carried that condemnation of sin in our lives. We've carried that condemnation. And that condemnation, man, it has kept us out of promises. It has kept us out of the restoring nature of God so many times. It has kept us away from that. And what we really needed was we need the power and the love of God. We need the kindness of God. And then when I saw that and I saw that his, that crippling was the sin nature in us, I went, oh man, even though he had that, God restored everything to him. God restored it all. 
Now we have the complete fullness of Jesus Christ. If that was us, we don't have to walk in that. We can be healed completely and wholly. That's the kindness of God. You know, we've done, I asked you before, have you ever had a, a point where you're just standing before God and you don't even feel like going to Him? And then you read like in Hebrews uh, chapter 4 at the end of it and it starts talking about, come boldly. And with confidence before the throne of grace that you may find help in time of need. That doesn't even make sense until you start to see that even when we're carrying that crippling sin nature, if we will believe in the Lord's kindness and his love and come up to him and say, I need your help, we will find help. We will find the glory of the Lord, the grace of the Lord, ready to be poured out in our lives. This is what the Lord's saying. He's saying, get up off your face. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. I love you and I want to restore you. I want to redeem you no matter what you've done. You know, some of us, we're, we've walked in that for most of our lives where we're just beat up and we're beat down. And, and we don't know why, why we're like this way and we're scared of God. We don't even want to talk to him. You, have you ever had a problem where you're trying to get through something, you know you sinned, you know you messed up, but you don't even want to talk to God about it? it almost like he didn't know if you didn't tell him, you know? <laughs> it's like, well, if I tell him, I don't want to admit it to God like he didn't see it in the first, I mean, I don't, sometimes we don't think correctly, but it's like, I, it's like if I say it out loud, then it's real. No, no, it was real before, whether you say it out loud or not. Sometimes we're that, it's like, why not? Why not just come up to God and just be like, oh God, look, Father, I've been a mess. Oh my goodness. I am, I am a wreck here. I need your help so that I'm not a wreck anymore. I need your help so that I'm not a mess. Why don't we just do that? Why don't, why don't we just do that? Because we really don't know his kindness like that. We think we're, we're applying our thinking of the world to God. We're thinking that he's going to act like every other king. That's going to take advantage of any of our weaknesses and not give us grace and mercy. But lay us out. So all of a sudden, when we start to realize his goodness and his kindness, and we step in boldly to not just a throne of revenge or a throne of, you know, basically logic, worldly logic. We step boldly and confidently to a throne of grace. And we find help. In time of need. Why? Because Jesus, he put on this body too at one time, but he won. He did it right. He did what he needed to do. He, he walked it out and won and had victory. And he knows how to get that same victory to you as well. He knows how to get that victory to you. But it's his kindness and his love and his grace. So I just ask you to invite you to bow your heads. Thank you, Father. Right now, no matter who you are or what you've seen in life, how bad you felt about, about yourself. 
You may be very aware of the crippling nature of sin in your life, or you may be just learning about it. No matter where you're at on that, maybe you, you've done pretty good to let go of some of that sin, and you feel pretty good about yourself right now. And a lot of times we just go and walk through life, and all of a sudden it tries to sneak up again. I've found very few people that just walk in it all the time and they never have to deal with condemnation. But no matter who you are or where you're at, God sees the nature of a corrupted flesh and he says, I just want to show you kindness. Not because you had it all right. You notice he didn't say because Saul had it all right. He said, I want to show you kindness for Jonathan's sake. I want to show you kindness for Jesus' sake. I want to show you the kindness of God. So I just invite you right now, just come up to the altar right now and drop that old mess and receive the kindness of God. No matter where you're at or what you've been doing or how the devil's tried to bring condemnation or your corrupted flesh has brought, tried to bring you condemnation, God says, look, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to lift you up off your face and set you at the king's table. I love you, and I want to show my kindness to you. And I just ask that you just, just play a little bit of music, please, J.D. I just ask that you will just leave that crippling nature right there. That thing that's been bothering you, the thing that's been riding your back and just, just that thing that's been just holding you back, weighing you down. I just ask right now that, that you would receive the Father's love and you would just drop it right here and let Him remove that crippling thing from your life so that you can be exalted to the place that God has for you. And just, just pray this. Pray this with me. Just pray it out loud. Just say, Father, right now, I receive Jesus as the Lord of my life. I need my relationship with you made right. I need to receive release of that sin and crippling nature. And I need to receive your kindness for Jesus' sake. And I receive it now. Jesus, you're the Lord. You're the director of my life. And I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God brought you back to life for me. And when he raised you up, he, he raised me up with him. And now, Lord, I receive a life at the king's table. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.